Hey everyone, it's Tom Kradza, and on this episode of the Your Life, Your Term show, Nick and I sit down with our good friend, Andy Tran. And Andy is an absolute expert when it comes to different housing strategies for investors in the greater Toronto and Ontario area. He specializes in, a, I guess he does, he does a whole bunch of stuff, but I guess what he's become known for is ability to get second suites done in houses across Ontario. So navigating through the bylaw process, the design process, talking to contractors to ensure that the contractor knows what they're doing when you're taking a single family home and turning it into a legal second suite. Actually on his website, he has different guides and checklists for this kind of stuff. So he's on here to give us an update about that, but we also dive into garden suites because garden suites are slowly getting their regulations straight across different municipalities in Ontario. And this is going to become a big thing over the next few years. As we kind of continue the housing crisis in Ontario, the ability to drop on an external kind of unit, like a garden suite on your property, if it's big enough, is going to be a big thing in Toronto and all the surrounding areas. And we're starting to see them pop up. So in this particular episode of the podcast, Andy gives us the latest on what he's seeing and doing around garden suites. So we're grateful to get that update from him. And listen, if you are listening to this and you want to dive into the real estate market and you're trying to figure out what strategies might be right for you, we have a free electronic copy of one of our books. It's called The Blueprint Book. And that particular book you can get off our website at rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash books. And that book goes through a number of different strategies that we've used ourselves and that we've used with real estate investors right across Ontario. The reason we give away the book for free, because you can buy a copy of it on Amazon, but we give it away for free in hopes that you'll take enough good information from that book and one day say, hey, I'm in the area. Maybe I'll actually work with these guys. So that is our motives for giving away or motive, sorry, that is our motive for giving away that book for free. And you can get a copy of that book at rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash books. That's it with the intro. Let's get on with the show. Are you ready to live life on your terms? Is it time to take charge? Real estate, business building, the economy, health and nutrition, and more. It's the Your Life, Your Term Show with Tom and Nick Carazza. Are you ready? Let's go. Okay, we, oh, there we go. We are live. We are live with Andy Tran. You're not on the video yet, Nick. I know, but yeah. I, know I will be soon. And th there we go. Yeah, we got the hat. See, and yeah. it fits over the headphones. Andy, Andy Tran is here um, because you're going to save Ontario's housing problems because of Sweet Additions is going to be able to add property or living units to everybody's property right across the province. Dude, you are the secret to saving housing here in Ontario. It's all on your shoulders. Pressure's on. Because you're going to legalize second suites for people. Are you doing garden suites yet? Oh, yeah. Okay, garden suites. And then your uh, laneway housing. Have you done any laneway yet? Coming. Not, not on laneways. We do Come closer have, to the mic. Come closer to the mic. We do have a couple of projects coming up that uh, are... Uh, that have laneways, but uh, it, it, this this new policy that's happening it's 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 for every house, right? So laneway houses, that happened in Toronto a few years ago, but now with garden suites, it's really like one or two orders of magnitude higher than laneways because most houses don't have laneways or alleyways, right? So the number that I have for people is 2.8 million single-family houses in Ontario. Actually, that's only detached in Ontario. That's what the number is: 2.8 million. 2.8 million single detached houses that pretty much are eligible for a second suite, like most likely the basement, and then also a third unit uh, as a detached garden unit or backyard house. So it depends on you know what people refer to them as. But 
Um, this is this is big. So so the two point eight million you're counting houses that where'd are, you get that where'd you get that number from? I'm not uh, I'm not doubting it. I'm just curious if you yeah, remember. Yeah, I I believe it was a report from uh, Ryerson's city. Oh, uh, one of those. Rep- yeah, 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 one of yeah. those reports. Yeah, Ryerson sort of puts out good stuff. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's two point eight million, and you think they're counting houses that are in a zoning area that allows for second suites. Or are they just? Are you just blanket state? Uh, it's a blanket statement. That's how many single family homes are in Ontario. Uh, that, well, that is a stat for every single family single family detached house. So detached that doesn't home. even include uh, semi detached and townhouses that are also eligible. Uh, but uh, that number basically means that you know eventually not every municipality because it's going to take a while for a lot of these these cities and towns to to come on board. But it's a provincial mandate that they have to essentially allow it. And, and now there's also a uh, housing afford, affordability task force provincial-wide uh, provincial that is pushing for minimum four, uh, four units per uh, single-family lot. Like, you don't have to build that. Like, if you have a single-family lot, you want to build a single-family home, that's fine. But the neighbor cannot block somebody else that, think, that's under that's under consideration right and i now. think that's what doug ford's government has recently come out and said we should consider allowing everybody to get that kind of zoning approval for their lot without getting blocked by a neighbor who doesn't want a four unit next to them correct yeah, in yeah. certain cities in cities i think the population of over a hundred thousand so that's not province-wide though that one was just for larger cities uh, yeah, you could be correct right. there. Yeah, yeah. But the the three unit one with the garden suite that that is, that is province wide. Yeah. yeah. So then there's a there's a lot of opportunity coming out for more housing. What are you seeing, Andy? Are uh, like what's going on with garden suite specifically? Are you seeing people put these onto properties yet? Yeah, we're starting to uh, work with uh, homeowners and uh, and investor clients on these. Um, it's going to be a slow process. It's not something that uh, I think all of a sudden you know you're going to see everybody putting them them in because um, there's still a lot of uh, um, challenges at a municipal level for for construction. Right there's uh, even though the province has mandated that this is uh, something that uh, uh, they want every city to have the bylaws and policies in place to allow them. Uh, there are inner workings within the city. There are utility issues and things like that that they have to work out. So it's going to take a while. And also from the financial perspective, you know, these aren't going to be cheap things to build, right? They're going to cost probably at least $200,000. So not every household is going to have those funds available. So we are speaking to homeowners and investors who do see this as an opportunity to effectively build on free land and and kind of take advantage of that but in in other jurisdictions where these have already been allowed like the west coast of canada um it is a slow process like it's been around for almost 10 years and and it's not like it's only a small percentage of every you know small percentage of single family lots where people have utilized them Uh, but i think it's you know given the extreme cost of housing i think that is probably going to accelerate faster than than it has in, in those other jurisdictions well sure if it's a housing unit for two hundred thousand bucks where do you get a housing unit for two hundred thousand mm-hmm. bucks if you talk golden horseshoe numbers yeah nowhere right but so. i see andy's point too i guess if a city is going to have like water capacity problems on a certain street and everybody puts down a garden suite home this is what you're talking about where some municipalities are kind of struggling to approve some because they just don't know if the infrastructure I can handle it. There are there are those issues as well. So as an example, uh, I was working on one recently where, uh, you know, we need to have a minimum of a 200 amp service to support these three units. And then the local electrical utility didn't ha- doesn't have that infrastructure there. 
So they said that if you are going to do that and it's not an overhead service, it's an underground service, we're going to require the homeowner to you know, pay us $20,000 to upgrade that service line from the transformer, you know, five houses down to your property. You know, the homeowner is effectively going to be paying for some of that infrastructure upgrade uh, because you know, they, they don't have the funds, right? So you know, that, for a lot of people, that's probably going to make or break whether they're, they're actually going to be you know, that decision, whether they're actually going to proceed, right? If it's going to cost an extra $20,000 or $30,000 and it's going to be very disruptive to the neighborhood, they're probably going to say they're not going to do it, right? So those are some of the challenges. Um, waters and sewers, yeah, that, that can happen as well, right? Um, but to Nick's point, absolutely. Like where else, you know, let's say it's 300000 or 400000 If you're going to be building a two or three That was a lot of inflation unit, you just put on there right now. Nick said 200000 <laughs> really Andy fast. ended up at 400000 <laughs> Got well, it. Well, yeah, I mean, if you're building in, uh, in a laneway, a tight laneway in, in you know, downtown Toronto, uh, that's probably what it's going to cost, right? But if you, let's just take that number, 400000 at, uh, so I'm working with one client right now in, uh, in the annex, right, in, in Toronto. You guys are familiar with that area, Honest Ed's? Yep. Blowing, ba- yes. blowing bathers. Mm-hmm. So they have condos going up there, um, like studio condos that have no, like th- there isn't even a bedroom. It's a studio condo and it's like 700000 800000 Now, just down the road in a, in a laneway property, they're able to build a three-bedroom laneway house that they can rent for $4,000 or $5,000 a month uh, for $400,000. So, so you compare apples to apples. You're renting that at three to four hundred thousand, uh, three four, to four thousand a month. Four to five thousand. Four to five thousand a month. It's a three Just a bedroom, bedroom unit. Yeah, three bedroom. Three bedroom in How many square feet do you think that is? Uh, it's probably main floor, second floor total, probably about fifteen hundred square feet. Yeah. Right. Holy So it's smokes. a three bedroom unit right on the subway line. Downtown. Yeah, Toronto. no, it makes sense. So it makes a lot of sense, right? Yeah. So so. You said two hundred thousand before. This one's you're saying you know four or five hundred thousand, whatever. The, and I know the two hundred thousand would be a, a different type of project in a different area. But those ones, when I spoke with you in the past, they would rent. We think maybe maybe around two thousand bucks. So so across the, is it is a rule of thumb right now? And I know this is really generalizing, but is it that you're getting about ten percent of the cost or one percent of the cost back on the um, on the monthly rent? Yeah, I guess that's. I would say yeah. I mean, that's probably uh, a a good kind of. Because the way yeah, because the way I was doing the math, like a two hundred thousand, if you rent it out for two thousand bucks a month, you get twenty four thousand over the course of a year. It's eight years to get all your money back on the property. Plus, you get a lift on the the value of the property Mm -hmm. with that unit there. You could probably even do some refinancing if you needed to or whatever if you wanted to. I'm like, oh. The not, just from a strictly a, a quick numbers perspective, I mean, they seem to, so if the you have the capital or can get the financing to pull it off, it can work. But it's still a lot of capital yeah. you're dealing with. You have to get approved for a lot of a lot of money. Yeah, and dealing with municipalities on on you know you, you said there's some kind of infrastructure issues, and I'd imagine there's some some issues just with approvals because it's so new to them. No different when Second Suite started, they were a pain in the butt in some municipalities. Well, they still are in some municipalities compared to others to even get those things approved. So I'd imagine Garden Suites is probably just as many yep. or more hurdles to, to, to kind of climb right now. Are you seeing any modular designs that could reduce the cost of some of these garden suites perhaps and some of the design stuff that you do instead of maybe building it from scratch? Are some builders, I don't even know if that's a builder, somebody manufacturing modular type? Yeah, so there's, uh, there's various uh, methods for the construction, right? There's our traditional, you know, everything on site, you pour the foundation, you uh, do a stick frame on site, build traditional right 
um, there's a, a full prefab, so you can get everything done in the factory and uh, have it delivered, have it craned in. That's that's possible. And then there's also hybrid solutions where, you know, maybe they'll they'll manufacture panels and uh, and manufacture uh, uh, certain types of foundations that can be put up, you know, on site. That's a shorter amount of time, but it's. Uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's basically a shorter amount of time, uh, but the cost would be typically higher than kind of on-site. Yeah. Oh, on-site really? When you I say craned in, is it the, what, what finishings are done there? With, so like the structure is complete, yeah. roof, walls, Like is the interior everything? painted? When uh, yeah, I mean, some of them are. Some really? Are. Kitchens, everything already Kit- in. That's what I was going to yeah. ask. Kitchen, castle, so they're just like attaching the plumbing, but the plumbing interior plumbing is already done. Correct. Yeah. So the ones I've seen where I'm um, not so much in Ontario yet, but some of the other places I've seen having these totally free prefabbed, um, everything in the interior units completed. And then there's a local uh, contractor or builder that, you know, does the foundation, whether it's a, a crawl space foundation or a slab on grade foundation. They will arrange with the with the uh, the local municipality to do all the utility connections, and then the the prefab company will actually come and do that installation. I guess in some so ways it's no different than a mobile home. Yeah, it's right. not cheap. Yeah, and it's not cheaper yet, but it might get cheaper. Yeah, I think so. I think it's going to get. Basically, cheaper. when IKEA starts selling these homes in a box, and you can drive home with your IKEA, yeah. IKEA is going to basically start getting into the modular home. Can you imagine putting that together? Oh, yeah. oh it takes me two hours to put together bookshelves. With a bookshelf. one Allen key, yeah. you can create a whole house <laughs> yeah. with this Allen key. It'll take can you, you four and a half years. Ikea? Ikea for the missing parts. Hey, I'm missing a kitchen sink and I'm missing a front door knob. Where do I get these missing parts in the self-service Make sure area? you have two people installing it. Yeah. Make sure you use yeah. a carpet. Okay? Yeah, put, put a, a soft carpet. surface yeah. down when you open your modular Ikea home before you put it together. But do you guys know the company Boxable, right? The, I don't uh, know if I do. Yeah, Boxable? so 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 that's the one that Elon Musk said he was living in next to his SpaceX oh, factory. Oh yeah, yeah, I remember that was a modular home. Yeah, so that was the one where basically they, they have a facility right now in Nevada that uh, that basically is, is are building these and uh, they start at fifty thousand and they they fold out so they they come in a flat pack and and they fold out in in a matter of an hour. <laughs> so it's here. It's not. I don't. I haven't seen any yet, but that's kind of the goal. I mean, there's a lot of big, there's a lot of big tech money going into this stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, it makes sense. And and I think, I don't know if Andy, you saw, I think it was on, it must've been on Twitter at some point. Remember that little condo that we saw where the bed comes down from the ceiling yeah. and someone's office is created where like the, you push a button and like pre- one and wall, a one wall moves over and kind of creates a little private office. Have you seen all this kind of modular stuff? Yeah, I mean, you see that stuff. I don't it's know more, if that's real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, more yeah. novelty, just, I think, right? Yeah, agreed. Like, novelty yeah. stuff. But you can see where we're headed. Basically, we're all going to live in eight by eight square boxes <laughs> at some point. Well, I mean, our density, just our density numbers in the city are so low compared to other cities across the, across, like the, around the world that, yeah, like our density numbers are going up it's for true. sure. When you, when so this, I, is, this is normal. Like in other places, yeah. this is this type of, is normal. And you're not even talking about small units. Like that laneway housing, what'd you say, was 1,400 square feet? That's not even a small unit. You're right, because when we go through Europe and I see some of these older cities, every little square inch is packed. Like somebody has an apartment in a little corner of a building. Um, Keith on our team is in Mumbai, India right now. And we figured out the population was what, like 20 million, 25 million? Yeah, we looked. And how many people per square kilometer that is compared to Toronto. And it's like five times more people per square kilometer than Toronto, whatever the math that we were doing was. So in this area, we still have low density, everything. Yeah. People, housing, all of it. No, you know what? It's not a land issue. It's not a space issue. And I'm Pull not talking about, yeah, I'm, not, I'm not talking about, you know, living in, you know, 100 square foot, tiny, tiny homes on wheels. That's not what I'm talking yeah, about. No I think, way. I think what, 
because because the thing is we have extremes right now we have like you know low density housing which has been the traditional normal type of development you know everybody you know moves out of their house lives in maybe lives in an apartment or condo for a while then gets the kind of the suburban home right so you have that and one end of the spectrum and then you have the other side which is extremely high density these condos or micro condos four or five hundred square feet downtown toronto but like that middle part is missing, right? It's called the missing middle. That's what they refer to it as. And these are, you know, duplexes, triplexes, fourplexes, walk-up apartments. And a lot of these places, they're not, they're not tiny. I mean, they're just regular, but they're making a better use of the available land and infrastructure. And that's what a lot of the policies are driven to, not necessarily to make a 200 square foot unit. I mean, if somebody wants to live like that, that's fine, right? But the goal is to kind of... Um, produce more of the housing options that are kind of in that middle part. And and you see that a lot in places like Europe where you don't have a lot of towers, but you do have consistent three, four, five story across every part of the city so that, you know, you can, you can walk out of your apartment and you can go to a grocery store within a, a five minute walk, or you can, you know, go to Internet cat? Do they have internet cafe stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. Cafe, <laughs> sure. Yeah, 2004, Andy. Yeah, yeah, we can yeah. go to the internet cafe. But you're right. The infrastructure doesn't have yeah. to spread broadly through the country to support a, a whole bunch of people. No, and then there's a, the, the the positive side of it is it creates a nice it can create a nice community atmosphere as well because in a lot of areas you get you get more of a sense of community when you have a little bit of higher density. It's not necessarily a bad thing. And then I think what happens is. It, like our rental stock is we have some of those types of properties right in toronto let's say and those types of properties as rental stock just haven't been maintained for the most part the way that other properties have but when you go to some of these places if you use your europe as an example some of these cities you see these old buildings that you're just like oh man look at like some old nice architecture whatever but then you go in the building to some of the units and you're just blown away yeah, about it's so modern, modern beautiful yeah. new materials. You're like, holy, this place is just it's just amazing when you get that. And it's just that feels like it, to your point exactly what we're missing here. We don't have those types of units. It's either it's either a, a, an apartment that is could be that size of unit, but it's an apartment that hasn't really been maintained because it's just a rental apartment. And most of the rental stock of, in in Toronto is like from the seventies. So it hasn't been maintained much. Mm -hmm. Or we have new condos, which are typically, they've gotten smaller and smaller. So there are some larger units. For the most part, they're smaller units. Or detached housing, there's nothing in between. And I think that's that's definitely the, the Ontario Housing Affordability, the report they just released, that's definitely the focus is to try to kind of in, like infill that portion of it. So it would be garden suites, 1,200 to 1,700 square feet would be kind of a common maybe size that we see. One I, yeah, that's probably a little bit larger than what we would be typical. So, so that 1,200, 1,700, I'm, I'm more talking about the kind of the double two-story Toronto houses. Where, where Yeah, the laneway type houses. But the garden suites are probably going to be under 1,000, single story. So 800 to 1,000. Yeah, 800 to 1,000. Okay, something right? in and, that and, range. And it is more along the lines of the, the rental that we talked about before, Nick, the $2,000 mark. Yeah. Right? Like the Toronto downtown one, that's totally different. Yeah, because got it's, it. It's a different market. But you can do a two, let's say two to three hundred thousand is is kind of a rough number depending on the type of finishes, depending on the size, um, you know what how how complicated the utility connections may be. Let's say that two to three hundred thousand dollar range. I think just roughly a two thousand dollar rent is something that is fairly reasonable. What's going to? Sorry to interrupt yep. you. I was going to say what's going to be interesting on on these projects is what kind of property value lift you get. 
That's going to be the interesting thing. And that's kind of the unknown. Right now, I'm sure the appraisals just are clueless. They, yeah. they, they don't know what they're doing with those ones. Yeah, like they, they might not even give you the construction costs, right? If, it's, if the hard costs are 250 grand, they might not even give that to you, which would be, it's a hard sell in, in that case. But it'll be interesting to see longer term what, how that changes. Yeah, the banks have no clue. I mean, they're, it's, it's so new that, you know, they don't even want to touch it. But if you talk to alternate lenders, credit unions, and you show them the numbers and what can be done, they see the opportunity there, right? And in any, any kind of new innovative housing, it's always going to be the smaller lenders uh, that are going to jump on board first, right? The ones that are, you know, more agile cause opposed, as opposed to the kind of the, the big banks. But I think eventually, within a few years, once, once you see these more, um, you know, more widespread um, and then the housing policies change. I think they're going to come on board because they're going to see the opportunity that this is this is something they can they can uh, you know profit from. And so, what's the process right now? If someone comes to you with a property in in I don't know, pick a random city in Ontario, what yep. would be the process to go through? Someone comes to you and says, "Hey, Andy, I got this property. Yep. W- what do you go through to determine if we can put in a garden suite on that property or not?" Yeah, the first thing is uh, just to look at the uh, the bylaws specific for that city, right? So, you know, using the Hamilton Mountain as an example, a lot of clients, a lot of people are coming to me right now. I have a property on Ham- Hamilton Mountain. Um, you know, here's the size of the lot. You know, can I build? Or I have an existing garage. Can I convert this? And, uh, you know, we have a quick look at it and we'll say, you know, these are some of the things that we're seeing, some of the challenges uh, you can go for an applicable law review. What are some city. of the challenges that you see? I would say probably um, would be the uh, things like uh, separation between the houses. Um, if the lot size isn't large enough, like it's a very shallow lot, sometimes it doesn't it doesn't work. It doesn't make sense. Uh, parking for sure is going to be the big thing for for cities because where you need an, a certain amount of parking spots. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, you know, specific to Hamilton, you know, not only do you need a certain number of parking spaces, they have to. Uh, uh, be arranged in a way where they're not obstructing each each other, right? So you can't have three parking spaces that are tandem, like single file, because then that causes problems. Uh, so those kind of challenges, you have to work those through with the city planning department. So we have a few, we have a few projects where we're kind of in that minor variance process with the cities, with the city uh, of Hamilton and, and other places as well. And then so you look at it, you see if it'll pass the city's bylaws, and then if it does, then do you start what whipping up a design for this thing? What's the next step? Yeah, Passes so the city, you're like, yeah, we're going to get through the city on this. Then what? Right. Yeah. So uh, that's kind of the first step, right? The city and then, you know, we kind of do the consultation. And then once we get the, the green light, that's when we go deep into the design process, right? Say, hey, you know, how many, uh, you know, how, how exactly what the layout you want? Do you want, um, you know, how many bedrooms and things like that? Although we kind of have an idea at the beginning what makes sense, right? I always encourage people to try to make two bedrooms, right? Because that's more of a flexible product. Um, and, and then, yeah, we go deep into the design. Like, do you know, do you want, what, what kind of, you know, exterior do you want? You know, you want a flat roof, you want a pitch roof, those kind of things. And then once you and your team now does a design, yep. are, uh, then who's doing the build? Are you doing the build? Do you have contractors that you work with that d- does the build? Yeah. So we, we function like a typical house designer architect where we work on the, the design and the permits. And, uh, you know, we may recommend uh, a local contractor or, or builder who, you know, has uh, where, where previous clients may have had success with, uh, or, you know, they may bring somebody in that they've worked with before and, and they would do the build. And then the process could take how long, I guess, from what you're seeing right now. Let's stick with the Hamilton Mountain since you brought it up. Yep. Start to finish. What, what's that going to take me to get it done? 
Uh, well, we're just actually, uh, because the, the bylaws only passed uh, uh, in around summer of last year, uh, we were really just getting started. So now we're actually getting approvals now. And, you're getting and, approvals. So yeah, you're going to, so. so a year. Well, no, you, you said it just went into approval. Yeah, now. no, w once, once uh, I, I think um, there's been some precedent sent, uh, set with, with the cities in terms of exactly how all the utilities are going to work. It's, it's going to be a quicker process. I think I, I think that if you plan things well, um, it, it, you can probably get one done in the six to nine month range. Got it. Right. Okay. Um, like really? for example, uh, second suite would be approvals like, and construction. I think so. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that seems aggressive to me, but yeah, I mean, I I kind of say six months roughly for a second suite, right? Like if it takes two months of design approvals, and then another three four months for you know renovations of a of a basement second suite to me that's fairly reasonable as long as you have a reputable contractor to do the work um so if i'm building that's a, a big as I long like as you just slipped yeah, that yeah. in yeah. yeah that's like huh? the, easy, the, the, yeah. the easy part as long oh, yeah. as the contractor is yeah. good yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah so you add another three months for for a second suite and and you know when we do small scale infill like you know where we're doing severance and things like that not including the you know the approval process but just the you know the design phase and and kind of getting the construction we always give it about a year right so i think that garden suite is probably somewhere in between and then i guess i guess there's an obvious answer to this I just haven't thought it through yet if i have an existing property nick i'm thinking of one of our properties I have an existing property where we have a family in there who's renting the property but i know it would qualify for a garden suite that that lot's big enough oh yeah, yeah. um do we have to then get approval from the existing tenant because I guess they rented the house from us and they assumed the whole lot was going to be theirs too. What did they rent from us? Did they rent the house? Like, yeah. can we just put a second suite on into here? It. That's a good question. Like, how do we get approval? It's our lot. We're renting the house. Are we allowed just to go to the tenant and say, hey, we're carving out this section of the lot to build a second house? My guess is probably not. not. We'd yeah. have to check. I'd have to look into have it. Have you but faced I'm that one yet, Andy? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, oh that's, yeah, that's a common that's a common issue. So n right now, for anyone in that situation where they already have a tenant, um, you know, it depends on the on the lease agreement. If they're renting out the entire property, like the single family home, the entire well, property, it'll just say likely, the address, right? So yeah, I guess they yeah. are. There. It's going to say the address they're renting out. Yeah, so that that would be something where they would have to they would likely have to agree. Like, I don't think you can just go in and, and, and build something in the backyard because that's... <laughs> hey, guess what? You you're getting a new neighbor right in your backyard. Yeah. I shouldn't laugh. Yeah. But that's essentially what you're telling them. Yeah. Yeah, got it. Okay. But nowadays, just because of where, where prices are, uh, you know, a lot of investors are looking at this third unit to even make the project feasible, right? Like, if you're going buying a, uh, a single family house for... Uh, eight hundred thousand or nine hundred thousand. You have to eight hundred thousand. That's so December, man. We're one. <laughs> oh, yeah. We're one point one. What are you doing? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Things have calmed down a little bit right now, though. The last couple of weeks, instead of fifteen offers, I was just talking to Ruben, and he's starting to see a couple of properties with no offers. Where are the so just in the last week, what are we? Kind of mid to yeah, past the mid of February, things are starting to change. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, with a little bit of an interest rate scare, some other government announcements, and the melt, the snow melting, and a little bit of inventory coming in the market. Yeah, we'll things, see. So yeah, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, I like how that little scare is enough, and they don't actually have to raise it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's smart. Well, I think they raise. I think they raise it, but they raise it just to. It's not going to be like this. This, these. What were the initial projections? Were I think like it was eight, like eight, eight raises, raises over two years. Two years. I'm just like if they, if they do that, I'm, I'm not worried about the real estate market. I'm worried about I way think more they than could that. Get in three raises over two years. Well, three years. They might try for three raises this year. Um, I I gotta think they're gonna go in the U.S. for a half point in March. So you think they're gonna go half in one shot? I think so. I think so. 
We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. I don't know. I don't know. I, I feel like they're going to go for half. Like inflation there. It's what seven, was, officially, it's like 7.5 or something. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. I mean, that's the highest since the 1970s. So what? They're going to see the highest rate since the 1970s and go, here's here, I'm tossing you a quarter point increase. Well, they didn't even raise in January. Yeah, yeah. Our bank And our Bank of Canada, with insane inflation here and property prices going out of control, thought, oh, we won't raise. Under what conditions are you going to raise if property prices are go- the property prices are going up like twenty percent year over year more, and the highest inflation print that we've had in forever, and it's like not not raising rates. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I think I gotta think it's going to be half a point. We'll see. You know how we're arguing about like we're splitting hairs half here. Half a point, yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> quarter and a half. That's the state of yeah. our world right now. If you that look at the long-term trend yeah, in interest yeah. rates, it's hilarious because it just basically just is this downward slope. Yeah, like we're not talking like three percent yeah. or four percent. We're literally, we're literally it's a du- it's a double black hu- yeah. it's a double black diamond hill downwards. Yeah. is what yeah, it, is yeah, what yeah, it's yeah. been. Yeah. Oh man. Okay, we just took a little tangent just on the state yeah. of market, but to make the property feasible or the project feasible. Yes. Then people are including this in the whole project because this will generate enough income to pay for the purchase of the whole thing. Right, right. Yeah, so I'm, I'm in that situation right now where I rented a, uh, a house to a, uh, a tenant living upstairs. I'm doing the second suite in the basement, and I'm also doing the, the, the garden suite as well. Now, I did, I did inform him. I actually showed him a document on what it's going to look like roughly and had him sign it and agree that he was okay with me doing this this three unit and i think it's that's more it's more um palatable when when you when it's a single property with three individual units because then it's like well i don't own the backyard but it's better when you plan it ahead of time yeah. to say okay here's what i'm gonna do you're gonna have your slice of the backyard or a patio space or whatever this is your parking and this is what i'm gonna do right so don't try to hide anything right if you have an existing tenant explain to them what you're gonna do don't just you know, bring a crane in <laughs> and, and drop something in the drop back. something in the backyard. And, and it makes sense. There, I just right? hadn't talked it out, but yeah, um, of course, it makes sense now. So if, yeah, talk to them, or if if you haven't rented out yet and you're going to be renting out, let them know what your intentions are. Right? You you'd rather them say, I, "No thanks, not for me. I don't want to be sharing it," or like at least they know and they can't argue it later on. With the state of things, it's not going to change demand for your property. If you have a unit and you're like, hey, I'm going to be putting this in here and it's a nice unit. There's so much demand from people looking for good, good, solid housing that it's not going. It, it's very rare that it's going to really impact someone's decision, I think. So what, and then, Andy, what, what are you working on most commonly now? What type of projects is it? Second suites, I'd imagine, still are number one. Infill projects, garden suites now. I would are- say I pivoted a little bit to focus. Uh, well, second suites has always been there. And it's always kind of the low-hanging fruit. It's, it's almost like you have to do it, mm-hmm. right? The, the duplexing or the adding the second unit. unit. So that's pretty much uh, whether it's uh, converting an existing one or, uh, you know, doing one from scratch. It's almost kind of like, you know, just, just the first step, right? And uh, I've pivoted a bit to more focus on the garden suite right now just because I think it is such a big opportunity with, with larger lots, deeper lots that you can have that. So I've moved away from the infill development for the time being, focusing more on that for now. So we'll see what happens, uh, how it's going to be in the next couple of years. What, where's the so for those suites? So for those garden suites, what are you doing for plumbing? How are you connecting the plumbing on those? That's you're going to so dig to. Hey. That's literally a shit show. Yeah. <laughs> but most of them are connected un, underneath the basement. Yeah. So how are you going to go? You're you're going to have to connect there. Correct. Yeah. So there's two components, right? There's the water supply, and then there's a there's the uh, the other part. 
uh, there's the drain. Yeah. And so the, 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 the service line that's coming in, you have to ensure that they, that's uh, enough capacity, right? So typically we recommend having a one inch service line coming in. And then from there, you can, you can, sub, you can subdivide that into individual meters and then have each one servicing each unit. So that's what yeah. we're doing. We're doing either three separate meters if the, if the, city, if the city allows us to do it. So they're separate accounts. Or we have one main, and then we have submeters where you know you do your own kind of. Uh, so you're digging, digging trenches from the demarcation point, I guess, to the city, and sh- extending that line, changing that uh, line. So there's it depends on the municipality. So okay. some will allow you to go through the the main house, right? Oh, got so, it. so that okay. service line comes in okay. through the main house, and you just have a rough in, and, and you kind of bring it to the back. Some will some will have you do a sort of a Y or a T connection in the front lawn, right? Um, but they won't allow you to connect directly to the city. So okay. the idea so is everything's that, on your property. Correct. Yeah. Okay. So you can't call the city and say, I want to have site servicing of a new pipe. Yeah, because there's only one system. line coming and, to the and lawn. And that's for water coming in. Is the sewage going out same the thing. same thing? Same thing. So the sewage going out can go through the existing home sewage system? Again, depends on the municipality. So some will say it has to go through. And then some will say you have to do a like a T a, like a T connection or a Y connection in the front lawn or something like that. I think I'd want that at the front lawn, right? This just seems like a lot of capacity going through. I know it's not the capacity. It's just yeah, just uh, the opportunity for issues coming up and stuff like that. It's just easier to be able to dig on a trench on the outside if you need to, versus inside and yeah, not having to destroy and not destroying the house too. Yeah, yeah. I guess if the house is unfinished, then it's not such a big deal. But if the house is already finished. That's definitely not I'm an option. I'm just thinking of snaking the drain too. Like if you have somebody who's not home in the main house, but then you have a sewage backup in a garden suite or something, now you got to snake out really far from like the, maybe the back corner of the lot going forward. Yeah, well, I mean, the, it, we just follow the plumbing code, right? So whoever the plumbers that's doing it, they will do the calculations and say that based on the number of fixtures that we have, let's say three kitchens and three bathrooms yeah, or four bathrooms. Here's what we need. We need whatever line. And then if they say that that can't support it. But the idea is that the one single four-inch pipe that extends from the that original property to the, to the city's drain system, that's going to be sufficient for three units. I mean, that's what it is right now for triplexes. If you have a triplex, it's it's three bathrooms and three kitchens minimum, right? So have it's you dealt with how, have you dealt with mail in any of these properties yet? Where it's the public pickup spot, like what's that called? You know, the community mailbox yep. as opposed to. And how are you dealing with that? Does everybody get their own mail from those things? Uh, like, so for two units, uh, I don't know for three units because we haven't done like fully completed any yet. But for uh, two units, uh, if you can prove that it's legal, then Canada Post, I believe, will allow you to have an extra one. Some some cities have some of my clients have contacted Canada Post and they've gotten a community mailbox. Oh, really? With one? different with different yeah. boxes, if the community mailbox can handle it, because we've had correct because yeah. we've had a situation before where we had multiple people putting their hands into the same box and just taking their mail. It was a little bit of a disaster. Yeah, I think it depends on the area. Okay, um, and if they don't have that and it's just a mailbox at the house, then we just have a separate mailbox. And then, what about garbage removal in these garden suites or even second suite stuff? What's the best way to do that? They each take care of their own garbage. How have you been handling that? Um, we always recommend to our clients to have separate garbage, right? Um, and some cities will allow you to pay extra for for a separate uh, garbage bin. Usually, there's no limit for recycling. I think 
Recycling Usually and compost, not. I don't right? think I've seen limits on recycling and compost. Right, yeah. You're right. Yeah. But garbage bags, like I know in Oakville, it's like three bags. Otherwise, you have to buy the tags and attach a tag every bag after that. Yeah. So um, in, in a lot of the cities that we're working with, uh, uh, usually I think if you have a lot of garbage, you can pay extra for just general garbage. But for uh, compost and, and, and recycling, I think it's it's unlimited. Okay. So, so the things to think about, bigger things are just, is parking going to work where it's not tandem? I know that might not be in all cities, but yeah. you mentioned Hamilton. It's like that. I'm sure for other ones it's going to be similar yeah. so you need to consider parking you're going to need to figure out things like water and utility capacity you'll have to get that from the city mm -hmm. um, there's basic things to think about or more operational things like mailboxes and garbage removal but that's just operational more you could figure out that almost after the fact but those are some of the things to think about then all the rest is just a classic construction job you need the design you need the permit to do it and how much is the build going to cost the permits are still the, the, the question mark because there's still site coverage issues right is there still site coverage issues in some of these places uh you mean as in well, like, like sorry law, law coverage yeah 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 so they'll say uh you know you have uh, a five thousand square foot lot will allow you to go ten percent so 500 square feet or they'll say uh the total of all your buildings cannot exceed, I don't know, 25%, 30%. So there's different criteria. Yeah, that's where the problem yeah. comes in, is the total of all the buildings. Yeah, yeah that is the, the problem. Size. Yeah, yeah, yeah got So it. Site, site design is going to be very important. Like, if you can design it so that it feels like a separate property, like, you know, somebody walking in doesn't feel like I'm actually in someone's backyard, and the person that's living in the main house doesn't feel like somebody's in their backyard, I think that that is, that is going to be key if you can design it from an investor perspective. Sure. Now, from a homeowner perspective, if someone's building that for their, their mom or their grown kid, sure. that's probably fine. But I would, you know, as an investor, I would design it to be more flexible so that if a tenant lives here, it's going to be comfortable. If it's somebody's family member because they want to buy the house and they want to have a multi-generational household, then it's going to be comfortable for them. They're going to have parking access, right? And, you know, a lot of, a lot of these are going to be suitable for um, a lot of immigrant families or people who are coming here and they're starting out and they're going to be used to living in, you know, if they're, where they're coming from, they're probably used to living in very tight quarters, right? Like, I don't know, Hong Kong or sure. somewhere yeah, where, yeah, yeah. or Europe or something like that, where, you know, a lot of the houses are very densely packed together. So they're going to be okay with, you know, living in a single family neighborhood with access to community centers and schools and things like that. But they're just going to be, instead of living in their own house, which nobody can afford anyways, uh, they're going to have, you know, half, half of, half of a property or a third of a property type of, type of situation. This really gives a lot of investors a lot of, I know, I know there's challenges to do this, but if you have some older properties that you've purchased, this really opens up a lot of floodgates. I know there's the financing cost to kind of get through, but Andy, I'm just thinking of your property now. That's one single family type home. It sounds like that you're making a legal second suite. You're going to possibly add on this garden suite at some point in the future. Mm -hmm. So the revenue out of this one property now is really going to be, if I'm guessing in Hamilton, top unit, 22,000 something, bottom 2,000, 4,000 plus. How much would you rent out a garden suite in Hamilton for, do you think? Guess. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say in that 18 to 22 No range. way. Yeah. Okay, so, Depending so now, on the size so now we're talking location. about this one property can generate like 6,500 to $7,000 in income every month. We're talking about six and a half to seven thousand dollars on one property. Yeah, holy I smokes! Just, Properties are going to go. The price of investment real estate is going to skyrocket. It could. It, it'll be interesting to see. I, I just did the math on a two hundred thousand dollar mortgage. So mortgage, not line of credit, at a two percent interest rate over twenty five years. Just I just picked numbers. Two is actually probably a little bit low. We should probably bump this up to what two point five right now. 
So 2.5, because this would be to finance the cost. So it's 963 bucks. So let's say it's 1,000 bucks a month to build. If you borrow the funds to build, we're using some round numbers, it's about 1,000 bucks a month. If you can rent it out for 2,000, that's what I was talking about with the numbers You're creating $1,000 in cash flow by dropping one if, of these things if in. If you have one of the property, if you have that property you sitting the there. Yeah. And if it, you, yeah. 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 If you have the land already. So the key component that I always talk about is the fact that it's quote unquote free land, right? It's not, it's yeah. not even land that you have to no. sever or develop. You know, there's no development fees because that's what they're encouraging you to build. So if you have that land, that's effectively, you know, a big chunk of the development process is, is the land. So now it's really just the cost of construction. And that's why for the, uh, for the you know, 2x capital allocation that you have to put in, you're getting 3x in cash flow because of that land component, which is why it makes sense. This is crazy. Yeah, it opens up opportunities for sure. We'll see how it goes. The, the, and then the, some other ones, like if, you, if you're sitting on one of these, a decent sized lot, so in, let's say Toronto and one of these other cities, where, and if they start allowing four, up to four stories and four units, it, 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 the single family lot becomes a, the land grab, right? If you can get decent sized lots right now, it's not just, and yes, right now you might be paying a little bit of a premium and the numbers on the rental might suck, mm-hmm. but it's no longer, you know, you know maybe the, the real estate investment side of things is no longer throw a dart and everything works. It's more like, hey, you got to find something and then put some effort in to make it work, but you can still do it in a very But everybody who's way. out there who talks, when their neighbor tells them they can't get into real estate now because there's no cash flow, if you just ignore that and you do, Andy, what you're talking about here, you can build monstrous cash flowing properties here. I know if you finance everything up to like 0% down, you took the down payment from another sure, properties, yeah. maybe there's not going to be cash flow. But if you are buying some properties now that would cash flow as a two unit, you're adding on more cash flow by adding on the garden suite. I know you have to borrow more. Like I understand as long the as hurdles. you can finance as long that as capital, you can yeah, finance as long as you can finance it, it, as long it, as, it makes sense. Yeah, as long as you can finance it, the thing it makes sense yeah. to drop on a garden suite to the property. You're yeah. adding more housing to the housing stock on top of it. And it's harder right now, which is why the opportunity is even greater it, because more not as many people are doing it because the financing, the appraisals, the you know, like you were saying, some banks don't want to touch it. So right now, the, the municipalities don't even have all their kind of ducks in a row. So it's but more of a pain in the butt. this means the duplex in Hamilton, sorry, and I'm just thinking through this, the duplex in Hamilton is currently selling for like $1.1 million because we're starting to see $1.1 million on some of them. Nicer ones, newer, the done, second suite yep. done properly, $1.1 million. Um, so now you drop one of these onto that same property. The smart investor is going to outbid anyone else at 1.1 because they're going to see an extra $2,000 in revenue on this thing. Everything's about to go higher. Well, there's, there's actually exactly what you were talking about just a couple of weeks ago. I put it on my newsletter where there was a Hamilton property. You guys probably know about it. It was, it was a duplex uh, or a legal two unit that was done up pretty nicely and it went 30 offers and I it went it up to, it went up to 1.2, two, two yeah. or something. Wasn't somebody here that bought that property or no? Probably. I think, <laughs> I think, list, I think listed. I know. Oh, a, really? I don't know. I know, oh, a couple, okay. I know a couple guys here that put, put the offers in. in. Yeah, put know, offers. Yeah, it was yeah. like 30 offers. <laughs> I think it was and a listing. It was one of our listings for okay. someone on our team, okay, I think, got too. It. Got it. So I think it was something like 799 or 899 and it went from 1.22 and everybody's like crazy, you know, 30, 30 offers. It's nuts. But it was, it was already a two unit and it's a 200 foot deep lot. Oh, got it. So, so if let's say somebody, let's say 30 people went in and 29 people did not even think about garden suite and that highest bidder said, I'm going to go, I'm going to go like just blow everyone out of the water and go 1.22. I'm going to build an 800 square foot single family or not single family, but garden suite, 800 square foot, 800 square foot is like a little bungalow. Like it's like a normal bungalow on the mountain, right? I put in two bedrooms plus an office, make it beautiful. 
you know, I'll spend $300,000 on, on it. I'm, it's going to be deep in there. It's going to be nice for a family. Now, what is that property worth from the cash flow perspective, from the investment perspective? You just added on $2,000 more or 50% more. more income. Yeah. You oh. added 50% more income onto well, that property. 50%. Right. In this case, with this type of unit, it's even more. Right. But, you, but yeah, you get your point. But, but that, that type of unit's even above and beyond that, I think. So it's what's yeah it's what's it's what's it's what's coming down the future. The density is going up, and some people are going to look at this and think it's like this is crazy. We can't be doing this, but I think it's 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 going to. Be I think necessary. it's the only way for this area to grow. Otherwise, you're running water lines, freaking how far north, how far east and west, infrastructure, bus lines, transportation routes. We need to build density, whether and, and any if, of us want it or not. Well, some people don't want the population growth or like the immigration. They're like, you know what? There's, we have enough housing problems. Let's you know let's reduce the flow of immigration, but. Our economy is growing from this immigration. Like they, they don't see that side of it as well. It's there's a lot of benefits to it, and our, our immigration system is pretty, pretty good. Um, I hope the the liberals don't change it much, so they might ruin it. There's a, that, definitely that possibility, but it works out pretty right well. Right now, we have been pretty lucky. I think over the last however many years, decades, we've had great quality immigration. Well, the system's just set up. The points based system is just different than some other some other systems. It's it's been it's been good. Our parents snuck in, but I mean. That was different. They snuck in. Our dad got in. Our dad snuck in on a boat. Well, they, they started. Came, our they dad came. got kicked out of basically Austria. And said, "Hey, listen, you're either going back to what was then Yugoslavia, or the church is going to pay for a boat ride to Canada or Australia. You pick, and you got to decide now." <laughs> At that time, when they started, I think I think it was arms wide open to everyone. They were just like, "Just yeah, come yeah. here, please, and yeah. start building this place out." Yeah, that was us. Yeah, that was yeah. us in the early '80s. Oh, like your family? Yeah. And what were the, what were the options? Where else would your family have gone if it wasn't Canada? Or was Canada like the only option you well, were second choice no, to America? No, we, yeah, no, the first choice was America. Oh, I forget. Yeah, I, I, I forget. Yeah, the first choice. It was basically. Um, there so were, we're lucky enough to have Andy Tran and Sweet <laughs> Additions, his company, because well, America said no to Andy. We've Tran. always been second choice to America. If you look at all Jeez. the global, like so everybody here didn't get their first choice. We all got the second choice. Everyone here is basically an outcast in some capacity from some lineage in their family from wherever they originally were <laughs> and said, listen, we don't want you here for a reason or you're choosing not to be here. And you end up in Canada, not even as your first choice. <laughs> hey, it worked it, out, right? It, it did work out. Star, somehow, uh, somehow, <laughs> somehow it worked out. But yeah, that's what happened to you guys. And in, 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 in it was only the 80s that your family came here. For some reason, I thought it was longer. That, that is a long time ago. You're, yeah, you're like, old. Yeah, like, no, 19, like 1980. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Andy just looked at me right now. He's like, yeah, that is pretty old. Dude. That's like <laughs> 1980. <laughs> yeah, got it. Okay. So Andy, from what you're seeing, what do we see? What, what do we see over the next few years? What, where does this go? Just keep ramping up slow and steady? I think so. I think uh, its density is, is going to be the, the playbook for uh, every municipal, like every level of government, right? Municipal, provincial, federal, they were going to force it. Uh, they're going to push for it, right? They're, you know, they're not going to slow down with the immigration, right? Because that's their, I guess that's that's their strategy for growth. Um, sprawl is kind of out of the question because it's not even really about the, it, like when you hear the news, they talk a lot about environmental, which is true, right? Like agri agricultural topsoil and all that, it's true, but it's more financial. Like they can't afford to build the infrastructure out. Right. Like you, you build like there's there are you already they're not are you are you trying to tell me they're not telling us the whole story when they say that? Sometimes, are you yeah. trying? 
Yeah, I mean, it doesn't really because then it's kind of like gets into like, well, well, why are you fiscally responsible, blah, blah, blah. Right. So it's really just focused on, uh, you know, the density issue. And, you know, it, it, it is that's really their their focus, right, because they can't support the sprawl, the, the, the kind of the infrastructure costs of that. I mean, already it's very difficult to maintain a lot of the existing, you know, uh, low density areas. Right. So they recognize that the planners recognize that and they say well you know we already have the sewers we already have the utilities we can support a lot more housing and that's going to be the playbook you know we can argue all day what it should be what it could be whatever it is this is what it is and i think we just need to recognize that and kind of navigate that landscape of of housing development and you know how can we benefit from it you know obviously you know we can we can we can make money from it, but at the same time, it, it you know we can can build more housing, which Service is what need. everyone needs, right? Yeah. yeah. You know what's interesting? The um, the housing minister, the federal housing minister, he came out. And you know how they're looking at all these. The, 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 the liberals ran on these election promises of a, a bunch of changes to the housing market, like a flipping tax and that type this, that type of thing. And up until and the Bank of Canada came out in November, they started kind of trashing investors, saying investors are the reason that the prices are going up and that type of stuff. And they've been really lumping in investors like long-term investors and speculators like or, or people that are flipping properties lumping them all into one group and it was just last week it was the first time i had heard it at least that the housing minister had come out and he said well look he goes some of these what he, he called mom and pop investors are buying properties and, and providing rental units and he goes that's a service and we need them that's not necessarily a bad thing and it was the first time that i've heard them separate people that are buying properties, adding second suites, garden suites, that type of thing, and providing affordable rental units to people versus people that are just trying to buy and speculate and flip properties for like what, you know, whatever, quick cash or profit somehow. And I'm just wondering how they're going to, how or if they're going to view those things differently with these changes. Because from, from that talk, it was interesting because I'm like, that's the first time I've heard them really separate out the two versus just lumping all investors in together because I'm with you. I think what long-term investors that are providing these units to people, they're providing a service that the government hasn't been able to, to provide. And that's why the government has consistently changed the laws to be able to allow for these types of things. I think the last change to allow for the second suites is what 2011, the law was passed and it yep. didn't, then most municipalities started really doing it a couple of years later, 2013, 2014 is when it was kind of more streamlined. I think they had, they were supposed, they were given two years to kind of get it straightened out. Right? Right, right. So that was the government looking to the private investor and these recommendations now that are coming and the, the, where their focus is, is again, the government looking to the private investor to fix something that they couldn't when it comes to affordable housing units. Right. So maybe some of the crackdown is going to come on investors, not from people who are buying longer term rental properties. Maybe it'll just be if you buy and sell this home and it's not your primary place of residence within a certain number of years. Right. Now, we're going to have like a speculative if, tax if on you. Read you. The, if you read the mandate letter, you know, the mandate letter that was sent out to the minister from from the prime minister's office to the minister in December. The mandate letter said it was 12 months if you sell it within 12 months. That's what it said. Now, that, is that what they're going to do? We don't know. Nothing's been decided. But that's what it said. There was that was the big one for speculation. Um, that one and just then, twelve months. You can barely build a new house in twelve. No, months. if you buy the house and then resell it, oh, not buy, develop buy the house. already built. Yeah. Okay, got it. Yeah, and then if you um, and then the other one was a temporary ban on foreign um, on foreign buyers in the markets, which which I was I was like yeah I forgot about that one, but they did run on that, and that's in the mandate letter if you look it up. Right, so temporary. I feel like that one's always circumvented by start a Canadian corporation, get Canadian directors to be on the corporate board, 
and then you can funnel in your foreign yeah, money or just, to that Canadian corp. Yeah, or you just have your student, like the, with yeah, the, the, the non permanent foreign student, a foreign yeah. student has status here, they can buy something. I, I, right? I don't, I don't really they? have the data for that, but to me, it's like when they say foreign buyers, it's kind of like, well, somebody who maybe they have their kid here in school or they have the second citizenship here, there's some kind of tie to Canada. Like, I just don't see, it's kind of like I'm thinking, hey, you know what? I don't know, like, um, a, a country in Eastern Europe is a great place to invest, and I have no relationship with anyone. Yeah. Am I just going to go and just invest, invest? in real like estate? How much there? are so, we stopping like, by the whole foreign buyer? So the foreign, yeah. there's there's not a lot of foreign in the true sense of foreign. I think a lot of these foreigns they have like they have sometimes a lot here, of these right? foreigns. <laughs> yeah, well, a quote, lot of these foreigns, just quote unquote foreigns. <laughs> Who yeah, are no, these I think foreigns? Right. I don't think it's going to buying have, here. I yeah. don't think it has a massive yeah, right. impact. Right. Yeah, I just think it's it's for headlines. A lot of these things are for headlines. Mm-hmm. Right. Even the anti-flipping tax. Just think, like, like the way it was. So basically, worded. nothing's going to help. Well, no, I think it'll help. It'll help in the short term. I don't think in the long term. When they put the foreign buyer tax in in 2017, it helped in the short term. Right. It, it froze the market for a period of months. It wasn't for a long period of time, mm-hmm. but it froze the market. Market came off. It's it's yeah. like fro- you know. It, I just it, think to Andy's point there. Yeah, like the money's coming in because somebody has their son or daughter here in yeah. school. They have a legal Canadian bank account. Wire over a couple million dollars. You buy a property, and that's not a foreign buyer. That's somebody who has legal status in the country. Yeah, but if they change the rules around, I mean, there is they do have some insight into this, right? So I agree with you guys, but there is some insight into it. I I don't like to give the government that much credit, but for mm-hmm. this one, I got to give them some credit. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be a headline; they'll see something, and it no different than the foreign buyer tax. It did remove some speculation from the market. Sure, right? So they're gonna, it's going to remove when, some. Is it going to drastically change it? No, I, I'm with you. I don't think so. Andy, when we first started, I think in the year two, maybe it was a few years in around 2010, we met somebody who called us to it. Remember that condo, Nick? And some someone from South Korea bought forty condos in one building, four zero. From and all we knew is they were from South Korea, right? And it was around Young in the four hundred one. Well, you guys it sold it. No, no, we oh. were. Wasn't it Younger Four Hundred One or downtown? No, it was downtown. Downtown. Yeah. yeah, I'm getting confused. And they had and to get their money out. They or had something. to get their money back. Like they kind of like had a change of heart. Right. And they were trying to sell. They were all vacant except for like. No, they bought them because they had to get the money out of Korea. They got the money out of Korea, but now they were trying to sell the properties here. Or were we, no, they were, were just we there just to rent them out. I forget. Yeah, I forget. But there was only a handful. No, they were keeping the majority. I think were it they? wasn't. There wasn't a, a panic yeah. so sale. So between us, we can barely yeah. remember any. But details we do of remember the, the fact that 40. they bought like j- it was like just over forty. Yeah. And yeah. they had to, they, and they just. So that would be an example of somebody coming in here, I guess, in some legal capacity and not just buying one, but buying 40. Yeah. So we see it. We have seen it. Yeah. I just, to, to, so I think it's going to do something. To your point, I think right now that the market dynamics are so out of whack that those changes don't put them back into, they don't, they don't even the playing field. Like they don't put them back into balance. They're still going to be out of whack. They might just be less out of whack. Yeah, That's the way I, I, I kind of look at that. So, uh, Andy, I have a question for you. It's been a challenging uh, few years for everyone with all this COVID stuff and then property prices and interest rates are like zero. <laughs> That's not challenging, I guess. But um, how are you keeping yourself sane these days? Like, do you have any friends that you keep in touch with regularly where you can kind of just vent together about uh, like... Yeah, just, you guys. That's yeah, it. okay. <laughs> We, we vent a lot of, a lot on things that we aren't talking about right now. Yeah, 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 yeah. We vented a little bit before we started recording about a bunch of stuff. But like, do you have some routines that you do when you catch yourself getting a little bit stressed out when you're overworked? How are you just managing yourself right now? We didn't talk about that. Do you have some things that you're like, I know for myself, 
when I'm feeling a little bit overwhelmed and stressed, I have to get back to getting up earlier in the morning right. and having some quiet time to myself every morning. That does it for me. Yeah. You know, I need to build that routine back up if I had gotten away from that routine. Um, do you have anything that really works for you? Like Nick, for example, I like he has to go to the gym in the morning and that's kind of your meditative time and your time to be alone and think and kind of work. Um, what's, what's some stuff that works for you? Yeah, I don't know. I, I haven't, you know, to be honest, I haven't really, um, had a real tough time throughout this, these past couple of years. I'm, um, I kind of just look at it as like things are, it is what it is, right? You just kind of make the best out of it. Um, I'm kind of like you in that I really like watching, you know, videos and content on economics and that kind of is like, that's my therapy. It's kind of weird. <laughs> It is weird. There's, I don't think there's that many of us. So it's good to meet another one of us. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. like I will, I will do some work on my computer. I'll do some drafting and, and just house designs and I'll have, I'll have an economics podcast in the background. And just, to me, that's kind of like therapy. And I don't know. I, I, I don't, I don't, uh, I really just kind of look at the situation. I like to look at things the way they are and just, uh, you know, if things, if, if things are good, great, I enjoy it. And if things are bad, it's like, Hey, it is what it is, right? Do the best you can. So I haven't really struggled with it. And I'm busy, you know, with the kids and the family. So uh, things have been pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, cool. That's a great answer because most people, I think, over the last couple of years have been struggling a little bit with some stuff. I think you've probably been so busy with Sweet Editions um, that uh, you haven't had time to even freak out about anything. You're just a busy guy. What What are the services for anyone who doesn't know? What services are you offering with Sweet Editions right now? Where are you at? Who's working with you? Give us a, some description. Sure. Yeah. I mean, so we, we are still, uh, our primary bread and butter is still doing design and permit, permit work for second suites. Uh, so that's, that's ma our main focus. Uh, so most, mostly what happens is that, uh, you know, people contact us and say, you know, we have this property, uh, we want you to help us get started on the design permit process and we'll give them a timeline. Um, a lot of times, you know, they're not sure about the, uh, about their property and whether it's eligible. And then, so we have a consultation, whether it's zoom or whether it's on site, and uh, there is a fee for that. But then what happens is that if they pursue working with us on the design, that gets deducted later on. So it's a win-win. Like, you know, we, uh, you know, we're able to provide them a lot of information. And it's also uh, worthwhile for, for our team to kind of get, get into that process. And, uh, and yeah, I know you've and, grown a lot. Are you still taking new clients? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we are um, actively, we're taking clients and we're growing our, our internal team as well. Um, and, uh, you know, to a certain point, you know, we don't necessarily want to be able to do every project. Uh, you know, one of our focus is to educate people as well. And, uh, we're even having, uh, people that we're training to kind of do what we do, uh, just because we've said, you know, there's no way we can put a dent to kind of this housing issue and, uh, and, you know, whatever we can do just to kind of add a little bit. I mean, even with what you guys have done with, with Rockstar and all the investors here, you know, the vast majority of a lot of these investors have purchased housing and they've added these second units. And think about all the additional affordable housing units that have been put in by, you know, just these investors that you talk about, Nick, right? Like how important it is for a lot of small investors to add to the housing stock. You know, I don't know what the numbers are. It's probably in the thousands of housing units that weren't there that all of these investors had to go through a lot of shit in order to kind of, you know, make it a nice, comfortable, safe, legal housing unit, right? Like the government can't do that. So I think that's, uh, you know, kudos to you guys as well for kind of um, mm -hmm. having that, you know, that platform to be able to have a lot of these investors. In. And really it comes down to what our focus is, is bringing, giving people the education and the resources to be able to go and do these. 
And, you know, a lot of, you know, there's a lot of talk about investors, you know, causing housing prices to go up. But from a first principles perspective, we're building more housing units. We're creating wealth. Everybody's benefiting from it at the end of the day. So. Yeah, I never really thought about it the way you're saying it, because you're right. I would say almost all every single investor that we work with is very proud of the quality. If they've added a second suite into an existing property that they have, they're very proud of how much they've updated the property and the quality of the housing unit that they're offering to the market. I would say to it to a person, everyone has said that they're so proud of what they were able to do. It hasn't been I just kind of schlepped together something and rented it out whatever I could. It's been I really kind of did something good here. So I've never you know thought about the reason for that is because it's not easy, right? Like during that process, they had to deal with the city. They had to deal with contractors. They had to deal with tenants and it was not easy. And every pro process we go through with our clients, it's always not hundred percent easy, right? It gets easier when they start doing the second, third and fourth one, but it's always a challenge. And at the end of it, they're so proud of it. Like you say, because if they've gone through all that mm -hmm. nonsense to get to where it is and, and they brought an actual brand new housing unit. And you know the fast start class that I do with you guys here? I, the first slide I show, I show this really horrible like basement apartment from you know, the 80s or the 90s, like a frat house. And I said, you guys, re you guys ready to build one of these? And everybody's <laughs> like, whoa, what is this? And then the second image is an image of like one of my, one of my clients, um, Kelly. She, you know, I always show her her, her, her nice unit with, with the kitchen. I'm like, no, no, this is what you guys would be doing. This is, what, this is the kind of the goal. And, and you know, people are excited to yeah. do that, right? So. It gives us a sense of pride. And uh, that's cool. You brought up the class that you teach here to Rockstar members to do all this stuff. And Andy, thank, you've been doing that for quite some time now. And thank you for doing that because the confidence that you've given people who wouldn't have the who, who If you've not got into real estate, you just don't have the confidence to say, I'm not only going to buy this property, I'm going to convert it yeah. to have a legal second unit in it by doing a second suite. So, I mean, kudos to you to kind of sharing that kind of information because you you're, you're a busy guy. You have a family. There's no need for you to be spending extra time doing that kind of stuff. So thank you for doing that over the years. I mean, you've really helped a lot of people see different opportunities that they maybe didn't think that was possible for themselves. So we appreciate it, man. Yeah, no, my pleasure, 100%. And it helps me as well, right? So people reach out to me for, for help as well. So um, it's, it's great when I see people do it because then it's kind of like they feel, like you said, they feel proud and they essentially become a small developer. And then they can do other things later on if they want to. So. I was just thinking the next thing we have to do is we have to go to the UFC again. Remember we went to the UFC <laughs> together and we haven't been to the UFC in a while. We have to go to the UFC again. That was the Max Holloway fight that we went to. Remember and that? Yeah, it was that was Max. a good fight. Yeah, that was a good fight. And I feel like there hasn't been, oh yeah, because of COVID again. I'm like, why? There hasn't been a good fight in Toronto a long time. Why is that? They're avoiding Actually, here, like the I plague. totally forgot for yeah. a while. Why has there been no good fight in, in, in Toronto? But we have to go see another UFC And then we got to go to Montfort at 2, 2 a.m. Oh, yeah, 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 oh, yeah, yeah. That's, that's where we end up. Montfort's a classic in Oakville at 2 a.m. Yeah, there's many stories from Montfort at 2 a.m. <laughs> Montfort has all its stories from 2 If you drive by Montfort and you see anyone there after 2 a.m. on the weekend, you know there's something going yeah. down in that place. But uh, Andy, anything else that you want? What's the URL for Sweet Editions? How do people contact you? What else can you share? Uh, yeah, sweeteditions.com, old school. Sweeteditions.com. You can find Andy Tran's information there. Anything else that you wanted to chat about that we didn't chat about yet? Uh, no, I think that covers a lot. I was, I, think, yeah. I, was, I was teeing in. Yeah, like, what topic do we want to go into? We'll save we'll any offline. Other, yeah, yeah, we'll save any other topics uh, for another time. But Andy, thank you so much for doing this, My man. Pleasure. Really, thank really you, appreciate it. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you.
Hey everyone, hopefully you enjoyed that chat with Andy. His website is sweeteditions.com and sweet is S-U-I-T-E editions.com. You can get a copy of his Legal Second Suites, a beginner's guide book there. He also has an eight point checklist that he offers there. You can get all that, including access to his blog, all the services that he offers, his contact information. And I just really wanna thank Andy for teaching a class here at Rockstar to all the Rockstar Inner Circle members. He's been doing that for a few years. It's always a top rated class. He gives away such good information in that class. We're forever grateful. That's it for this episode. And listen, if you want a copy of one of our books, probably the best one for the different strategies that we use with investors is our blueprint book. You can get a free copy of that book at rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash books. That's rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash books. Until next time, your life, your terms. <laughs>